Welcome to Vancouver Island's University's Malaspinas Theatres podcast, recorded in our beautiful lobby. Every episode, we hope to feature a different format, offering the widest possible cultural conversation and to discover what's important to our ever-changing program of emerging artists and create discussion that's important to our community. We would like to acknowledge and thank the Snune Muks, the Quatsun, the Tsaamen, Snanawas, and Qualcomm First Nations on whose traditional lands we teach, learn, research, live, and share knowledge. The world was lost to shadow. There was nothing but darkness. The night sky was devoid of stars, and the moon was concealed by somber clouds. The rhythmic echo of the horse's thunderous hooves against the soft forest floor was Ira's only indication that she had still not crossed the border out of Vitoya. Her mind was scattered, a swirling storm of blood, fire, and carnage. She itched to wipe away the dried crimson smeared across her face, the stench of death lingering in her nostrils, twisting her insides into knots. She wanted to be sick to fall from her saddle and expel all that she carried inside. She felt her captor's hands tighten around her, his leather-gloved hands creaking against the horse's reins. Ira collapsed into the horse's mane and closed her eyes. With a shuddering breath, she was greeted by cries of agony, the sound of clashing steel, and the murderous eyes of the rebel soldiers. orchestra began playing a hypnotic lullaby as the double doors in front of Ira opened to the ballroom below. People filled the room, making the usually quiet space into one filled with life and laughter. The ballroom was illuminated by grand chandeliers. The walls decorated with silver banners and the white marble columns were adorned with pink roses. Boyish waiters served decadent foods from silver trays to elegant ladies and polished gentlemen. The patrons sipped wine excitedly lost in conversational gossip, eagerly waiting for her. To think she was a young girl not that long ago, sneaking into the ballroom dressed in ridiculous fabrics, pretending to be a beautiful bride. As a child, she would waltz, envisioning the handsome prince her father would choose for her to wed. Ira was no longer a young girl, and it was no longer a distant dream. Her stomach flipped in bashful excitement. As she stepped into the room, the crowd erupted in cheers. She bit her cheek nervously, trying to keep herself composed, fighting the urge to beam and blush as she looked upon the faces of high society. Ira bowed her head graciously, feeling the weight of the crown on top of her head shift with movement. The crowd below her bowed in response. As she lifted her chin, her eyes locked with the king, her father. He sat on his throne of gold, a proud smile spreading across his kind face, his eyes beckoning her over to him. Everyone's eyes locked on Ira as she descended the staircase and glided across the room, the train of her white lace gown trailing behind her. It was the kind of attention she would never get used to, but she pushed those feelings aside. This was her day, and she would not let any doubts poison her mind. As she neared her father's throne, a playful smile spread across his lips. King Everett was the most powerful and respected king Vitoya had ever seen. Though time had begun to turn his raven hair into silver and etch lines into his face, 
he still carried the crown with confidence and strength, power radiating from him. For the special occasion, he wore his finest ash-colored silks, the rose-embroidered patterns draping over his shoulders and fell to the floor. He raised to his feet and the crowd moved respectfully to their knees, giving their appreciation to their king. Ira stopped before her father and bowed. Nonsense, my daughter, come to me. He said, gesturing to the crowd, and the entire room rose to their feet. Happy name day, my dearest daughter. The king said as he grasped his hands in his own. Thank you, father, but I'm your only daughter. She giggled, teasing him a little. He laughed, a strong, hearty sound. May the gods bless you upon this day. He turned them to face the crowd, his eyes still tightly woven around Ira's. She watched, transfixed, as the jeweled train of her white dress fell across the golden throne like a peacock's tail. So many faces, Ira thought nervously. Faces she knew, and others she did not looked up at her. She felt the butterflies in her stomach begin to flutter. Today marks the night my only daughter comes of adult age. When the clock chimes seven, this sacred ritual will take place, and Princess Ira will commence her journey to becoming your queen. I have waited so many moons for this day. He gestured to the people. And I thank all of you for joining us on this evening. I am so honored to share in the company of such fine gentlemen and elegant ladies. Now, please, I implore you, enjoy yourselves. Dance and taste the finest wine Vitoya has to offer. The string quartet striked up their bows, playing a fast melody. The crowd dispersed, many breaking off into dance. Hundreds of dresses twirled, lords and ladies moving from partner to partner, and Ira's vision became blurred by the plethora of colors in front of her. Ira adored nights like these, people from all over the country coming together. The buzz of emotion sent shivers down Ira's spine. The night was perfect. Excusing herself from the dancing, Ira searched for a waiter carrying glasses of wine, when from the corner of her eye she saw a group of girls gossiping by the balcony doors. Their quick glances at her made Ira believe she may be the topic of discussion. Throwing her long brown braid over her shoulder, she bit her lip, making her way over to them. As the princess approached the group, a brunette girl curtsied respectfully. The other two girls, who had had their backs turned, whirl around in surprise, dropping their faces in shame. I'm so sorry, your highness. We did not see you approaching, the brunette Arnie sighed. Odin, Arnie, Evelyn, the honor is mine. Unable to meet the princess's eyes, the girls smiled to themselves. Their disapprovement of Ira was clear. Had she not been shielded by her father's undeniable power, they would have discarded her long ago. Behind every fake smile and the forced pleasantries, there was hatred jealousy, and a desire to have her impure soul banished like all the others. I hope you ladies enjoy your evening. You're offered only to be answered with silence. Well, I guess I'll just take this then. Ira took Evelyn's glass of wine, downed it in one swift gulp, handed the empty glass back, and without another word walked away. She glanced at her father and grimaced. If only she could demand the same respect that he did. The king stood strong, watching his subjects, a genuine smile plastered across his face. How she yearned to experience the same amount of happiness. He loved his people, and they loved and respected him equally. 
Without warning, the doors to the ballroom burst open. Everett's head advisor, Quentin Zaviri, led a group of their finest soldiers. They marched throughout the ballroom straight towards the king. A sense of unease washed over Ira. The musicians stopped playing their instruments and a silence fell over the room. Everyone held their breath as they all waited anxiously to hear what had happened. What rule had been broken? Who had broken it? Her father's previously smiling face was now set in a hard emotionless stare, the face of a king. Ira desperately tried to meet his eyes. Rules being broken were not an uncommon occurrence. So what had happened? Why such a public display? Quentin stopped his men a few paces back from the throne as he continued up the steps to the king's side. The advisor spoke in hushed tones to her father. For a split second, his emotional stare distorted to one of disgust and rage, but it disappeared so quickly, Era questioned if she had even seen his stare waver at all. Bring them in. The king bellowed, his voice echoing through the room. The double doors of the ballroom opened and two guards entered, dragging in a young man and a young woman. The girl's short blonde hair was ruffled and the once pristine green dress she was wearing had been torn at the hem, scandalously showing most of her right thigh. While the boy's black hair was tussled and his suit half on, his shirt unbuttoned and the tie undone around his neck. They could not have been any older than her, she noted. The guards threw them roughly to the floor. Everyone watched the king in apprehension as he took a step forward. Lord Quinton moved behind the king, an evil grin spreading across his face. The two of you have committed the sin of impure discretion for the act of sexual intercourse before marriage, Irina Sparrow and Nillian Morrow. You are both hereby sentenced to exile, banished from our lands, never to return. Cheers erupted from the crowd. Guards. Get them out of my sight. The king spat. Nillian and Arena were dragged from the ballroom, kicking and screaming, the crowd of guards following behind them. Ira quickly turned her back to the couple, the great oak doors swinging shut behind them, silencing their cries forever. She knew the nation's laws. She respected them. But it was never easy to see people being ripped from their lives. Despite the tension in the air, the shrill of a violin filled the hall. People returned to the party, back to their conversations. Dancing resumed, and it was like nothing had ever happened. Ira made her way back over to her father. I apologize for the interruption of your party. Some matters must be tended to at once. I understand, father. No need to apologize. I am immensely proud of you, Ira. My beloved daughter. The true successor of my throne. Thank you, my lord. You honor me. If only your mother could see you today, I know she'd be proud. Just look at the woman you're becoming. So insightful, compassionate, devoted to the gods, intelligent and beautiful. You will be the greatest queen this realm has ever seen. Your subjects will adore you. Ira sighed. I can only hope. She looked at the ground shamefully until her father lifted her chin. Royalty does not look at the floor, my sweet daughter. He glanced up at the giant silver clock that sat above the ballroom doors. It's almost time. She forced a charming smile, ignoring the nervous pitter-patter of her heartbeat. Stepping down from the throne steps, she walked into the crowd of dancers. Ira reached the middle of the room, took a deep breath, and closed her eyes. The music fell into step with those who danced around her. It was finally happening the moment she had anticipated her entire life, the sacred, 
royal ritual of Vitoya. A bell rang and Ira's eyes snapped open. Half a dozen guards stormed into the room carrying a giant veiled wooden platform. The crowd moved to the far sides of the room allowing the guards straight passage to the princess. They placed the mysterious clothed object before her. Many centuries ago, when Vitoya was just establishing itself as a nation, sin slithered into our land, tainting it with impurity. As a result, the gods punished us, turning their backs on our kingdom. Our land suffered from famine and plague. Everett paused, choking up. Thousands perished. Desperation ensued, forcing the three founders of this realm to come together and create a new way of life for Vitoya. They enforced strict laws, the ones we still use today, to rid the seven deadly sins that tainted our land. These instructions became detrimental to appeasing the gods. Now they reward us with bountiful crops, healthy, strong citizens, and peace throughout our land. We would all sacrifice our lives for our gods. But today that job falls on the royal family, sacrificed to show our devotion and servitude. Ira's heart fell still. Sacrifice? Tonight must not only be celebrated for the birth of my sole heir, but also for the tribute to our merciful gods. The king looks at his royal advisor, and the man nodded his head. My lords and ladies, let us begin the ritual. Quentin bowed his head, gesturing to his guards. They pulled the fabric away from the platform, letting it fall to the floor. Revealed was a giant marble bathtub. The bell sounded ringing through the entire room as the clock chimed seven and the king grinned from ear to ear. I, Everett, King of Atoya, declare this day as a joyous one, for it marks the beginning of my daughter's journey to becoming your queen and the cleansing of our souls. She will wash away her impurities, her weakness, her sinful thoughts. Let this pool of our enemy's blood act as a sacrifice to appease the almighty gods. Quindon stood in front of the tub, a smirk tugging at his lips. The advisor offered his hand. Ira accepted, allowing herself to be guided up the steps of the platform. She stood before the basin, looking down. Inside was not water, but a dark, thick substance. Blood. Princess, step inside the tub. Quentin said strongly. Shakily, she stepped inside, the blood thick and icy, making her shiver. Get onto your knees. Ira nodded complacently, her eyes shining with tears as she lowered herself onto her knees. Without warning, Quentin wrapped his hands around her face, shoving Ira to the tub's bottom. Blood filled her mouth and nose. She struggled against him, but he held her firmly in place. The weight was suddenly lifted. Ira pushed herself to the tub's surface. Rising, she gasped for air, choking on the blood. Quentin's eyes met hers, and without muttering a single word, he turned, walking down the steps, leaving her alone in the tub. The crowd erupted in applause as Ira, trembling in shock, climbed to her feet. She looked down at her dress. The snow-white gown was now stained crimson, the blood starting to harden against her skin, the taste of iron lingering on her lips. Uh, I... Ira paused, her voice coming out no louder than a whisper. Please. It was as if the world had forgotten her for a moment. No one was coming to help her. Ira slowly climbed out of the tub, watching as a red puddle began to form under her feet. 
The balcony doors swung open with a bang, and a gallant, blonde-haired knight dressed head to toe in polished black-clad armor stalked into the room, his chestplate bearing a foreign red sigil. Warriors donning the same red mark appeared by his side. In the knight's right hand was a blade that was uniquely thin, the weapon steel possessing a metallic shine, the dark hilt wrapping around his forearm like a tree branch. In the other hand was her father's decapitated guard's head, his lifeless brown eyes staring hauntingly at Ira. Screams began to fill the room as everyone started to realize what exactly was happening. King Everett stood quickly. Kill them. The soldiers of Vitoya unsheathed their swords and attacked. Ira stood frozen, her eyes wide, her body shivering. She stared at the blonde-haired killer as he cut through her men, moving swiftly towards the platform. Towards her. Your Highness, we need to get you somewhere safe. A young guard said, pulling on Ira's arm, urging her to come with him. One of her father's demands. He took her hand, lifting her from the platform. What of my father? I can't just leave him. You must, my lady. My priority is you. She glanced over her shoulder, meeting the assailant's fiery eyes. He growled ferociously, slamming his plated arm against a guard's face. Princess, at once! Ira's protector led her to a large painting along the wall. He slid it open and shoved her inside. Wait! Ira cried. She looked past him into the ballroom. It was turning into a bloodbath. Her father had joined the fray now, his sword swinging with a vengeful hunger, splitting a raider's skull in half. May the gods protect you, father. My lady, now! The guard pulled the painting firmly shut behind them and latched it. Taking her hand, he led her along a maze of passages. Left, right, left, right, right, left. Ira had no idea where in the castle they were. They sprinted to the top of a spiral staircase and Ira stopped. I'm sorry, but I can't. I need to catch my breath. Only for a moment. I'm sad to see your name day ruined, your highness. I wish I could have done more to prevent this. The man ran his hands through his shaggy red hair. Please, no apologies. You saved my life. I would have died on that platform if you had never came to my rescue. It was my pleasure, my lady. Ira looked down at her blood-soaked hands, her body beginning to tremble. Do you think they're dead? From the bottom of the staircase, approaching footsteps began to get louder and louder. Ira's blood turned to ice, suddenly consumed by terror. Were the assassins here to kill her? What would happen if they found her? Move. The guard whispered. He grabbed Ira's hand, leading her to one of the many doors along the passage. Pushing her inside, he held his index finger to his lips, his eyes full of regret, and shut the door, locking her inside. She backed away from the door, the footsteps growing louder. She was in some sort of bedroom compartment, three beds along the wall, a small closet, and a wooden dresser. The servants' quarters she thought, in the West Tower. Muffled male voices came from outside the door. Ira rushed to the back of the room, desperate for a place to hide. She glanced out the window and whimpered. She could see to the edge of the city from here, the various houses and buildings cascading down the mountain from the castle gates onto the flat plains below until it reached the dark forest at the end of the city. She looked below the window. There was nothing but a courtyard five floors down. She would never survive the jump. A loud thud hit the door, causing Ira to jump. Stifling her cries, she dashed into the closet, shutting the door behind her. She pushed herself as far back as she could, hiding behind the servants' uniforms. Ira closed her eyes, trying to steady her breathing. 
Everything was silent. Perhaps she could slip away. Slowly, Ira slid the closet door open and slipped out. Taking a deep breath, she collected herself. Where would she go? Good evening, princess. Standing in the shadows was one of the invaders, dressed in the same clad black armor. Ira stepped around him, surveying the man. He was strong, his muscles visible through his armor, his long raven hair tied back in a bun. He raised one of his eyebrows at her. She noticed a long scar cut through it. Why are you doing this? He moved closer to her, disregarding her question. Speak to me. I am your princess. The man pulled his sword free from his sheath and Ira stepped back in fright. You do not rule me. He stood directly in front of her now. If this was under different circumstances, she may have even found him handsome. He towered over her, but the look in his eyes was kind. You must forgive me for this, princess. With a heavy blow to the head, Ira watched the world around her slowly slip into darkness. She was unable to move, to fight. She was helpless. The invader lifted the princess onto his shoulder, the room around her shifting out of focus and blacking out entirely her consciousness fading into nothingness.